Okay, I want to welcome everybody. This is our Bible study for 625.06. And usually what we do is go through a little uh, current events to start things out and some emails that I've received and then kind of get into a Bible study later. This usually runs anywhere from usually two to two and a half hours to do all this. So, first thing I wanted to go over today, um, and uh, we had talked about this here last week, uh, with this particular man that had been um, emailing me about Christian rock music, and the, the series of emails that I've got into, he's kept this up, and uh, what, what it really boils down to, and I point this out in there, is what this is all about is this man has a pet sin that he does not want to give up. So he's willing to do anything to justify himself. He's not doing it biblically. All he's giving me is, is his opinion. And the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He's going by the way his heart feels. But the heart, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It says in Proverbs 28, verse 26, that he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible did. So if that makes you mad, then your problem isn't so much with me, it's with the Word of God. Not to say that your heart will always deceive you, because I believe that if you're, if you're in the will of God, and, you're in, and you're, you're in His Word, and you're going by His Word, and you have a heart for God, well, most of the time your heart's not going to deceive you. But the problem is, is most people, that's not the case. The vast majority of Christian-dumb that calls themselves Christians, that's not the case. So, this is what we're looking at today. Now, um, Pastor Slattery and I have been responding back to this man. And um, his... Uh, Pastor Slattery had emailed him this particular thing on the on rock music and the lyrics and these things. And in response, Pastor Slattery said, first of all, lyrics are not the only part of any music. Lyrics are only a part. The music is itself the other part. I am sorry to see that you still seem to feel that it's okay to use the devil's music to promote God's word. You have ignored Bible references to actual music and the admonitions to abstain from all appearance of evil. This is truly too bad. You said you wanted a single scripture that states rock music is evil. Yet you ignore the fact that every word used in reference to rock music has nothing to do with our rock, Jesus Christ, but rather the rock that goes on with the roll. This has nothing... Um, now, what this is in reference to, rock and roll, is in reference to the sexual function and movement of the back seat of a car. That's how rock and roll got its name. Now, a lot of people don't know that. That's, that's how it originally got its name. Having sex in the back of a car is essentially what we're talking about here. So, um, of course, there are folks who don't have a problem with using sex to sell Jesus. Uh, they, you know, with, with everything that they're doing. Uh, rock and roll... Rock and roll is using, as you've seen from previous posts, the filth of music itself to generate rhythm. And also, I, I'll, I'll add in here that it's using drum beats, which drum beats originated essentially straight from Africa. And that's a whole other series that um, that we can go into. Um, the website av11.org has a very good. If you ever want to see a really good expose on drums. 
on Christian on biblical Christian music guidelines, and particularly the drums. Go to that website because they'll they'll load your boat. So if you think, and I'm going back to this email, if you think that using voodoo, sex, and other evil practices and methods to sell Jesus to a sensual to to, a, to this modern generation, then I cannot help you. How many references to God's probation to appealing to the world? I'm, the, the, I'm, I'm trying to read this in the way he's worded this. Um, I'm trying to kind of get it all on, on in the thought pattern here. How many references to God's probation appealing to the sensual, the flesh, and the natural man do you need? The lyrics that you shared are very interesting. And that not only uses the flesh he sings against compromise, yet he has compromised already using Satan's rock and roll to promote the song he says is about Jesus. Now, he, he goes on in this email to say that, did you know that the, the Christian rock group, DC Talk, charges $35,000 per show to, quote, minister to the folks? Now, they're no different than the, than, than the TV preacher evangelists. They're, they're no different. Okay, so I don't want to hold them to any worse of an accountability because the stinking preachers are letting them in their churches. So they're, as far as I can say, they're, they're worse. Okay? They're charging 35 grand. Then he says, talk about greedy lucre. And then the Bible says in 1 John 2, 2 15-17, Love not the world, neither th the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Then he goes on to state that, um, uh, I believe this is DC Talk, yeah. Smith, who listens mostly to secular music, now this is, I believe, the lead singer of DC Talk, Smith, I guess this is his last name, who listens mostly to secular music. Now this is what this man who is the head of a Christian rock group, DC Talk, one of the biggest ones, who sings the song Jesus Freak. I don't know if you ever heard that song. Okay. He is listens mostly to secular music. Well, right there alone, what is he putting into his mind? How is How are his lyrics being inspired? Through secular music. He's admitting it. Now, this man, the head of DC Talk, would like to see DC Talk expand its vocabulary. He says, not, now this is a quote from him, not everything has to be about God. Oh, is that so? Well, doing what he's doing, he's correct. Because what he's doing is of the devil. Yes, I'll go so far as to say, it's of the devil. You, how, can a salt, how can a fountain yield both fresh and salt water? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. This is what we're dealing with here. We're calling evil good and good evil. Not everything has to be about God. Well, this is the lukewarm watering down of, quote, apostate Christendom that the Bible predicted in Revelation 3, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it talks about the great falling away, the Laodicean church age, where they're neither hot nor cold, they think they're in need of nothing, and that yet they are blind, wretched, naked, weak, they, don't, they can't see anything. That's where we're at. That's why there's no discernment. There's no judgment of this in the church. There's no biblical judgment. Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. It's not being done. 
So what's happening? Because there's no righteous judgment in the churches, all this stinking sin has come into the church, and now we're in the mess that we're in. It's as simple as that. Now the Bible predicted these things were going to happen. 2 Timothy 3.13 Evil men and seducers shall wax and worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We know that evil men and seducers are going to wax, which means grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So they are going to be deceived and they themselves are going to go on and to deceive others. Primarily that's occurring in the churches now. The preachers are deceiving their congregations. They have been, for the most part, I'm not saying everyone, but most of them have been deadened by the cemetery, oh I mean seminary, that they attended, which has essentially ruined them for life. That was their foundation. And the Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Even if they were called to this, their foundation has been destroyed. Well, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. So this is what we're seeing in the churches now. That, that, that people are just, particularly the preachers, they're hirelings. And the hireling has no real love for the sheep. They have no real love for the truth. They have prophesied unto them deceits and lies. For, for the gain of, of greedy lucre, uh, filthy lucre, money. So, this is what it's all about. The preachers are the one letting them in the church. If the preachers had any kind of discernment at all, they wouldn't be letting these, quote, unholy, ungodly, unchristian rock bands. How can, uh, Christian rock, isn't that, that's what, uh, you call that an oxymoron. That doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no, doesn't make any sense. There's biblical guidelines for music, okay? That's why I said, if you want to know more about that, go to that website, AV11, I believe it's .org. They'll, they'll load your boat. So this man says, not everything has to be about God. We're getting into being able to speak about our personal lives and our public lives. That kind of stuff. Without constantly throwing in the church. So evidently, that's a negative thing, to constantly dwell on the Lord. Um, evidently, they're thinking that that's going to drive people away. Well, when you're, when you're motivated by money, well, the, root of lo- the love of money is the root of all evil, which is the root of all this. When you're motivated by money, you don't really want to offend. Like right now, anybody, if there's, if there's uh, people listening to this on the internet or, or on wherever, what happens is, um, yeah, that's the one. So what happens is, anybody listening to, uh, to this, there's going to probably be a lot of people getting offended. Well, that's, that's okay. The Bible says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16. If you can refute this information, that's fine. Show me biblically, that's all I want to know. But this is what's not being preached in the church, because there is no judgment. There's no righteous judgment. The Bible says, he who is spiritual, in the New Testament, judgeth all things. I do not mean hypocritical judgment. I do not mean the judgment where Jesus talked about, judge not lest ye be judged. He was speaking there to a hypocrite. Just look at the context of that verse in Matthew. He was speaking to a hypocrite. How do I know this? Because he called him a hypocrite, and he said, cast out the beam in your own eye before you you look at the speck in your brother's. So once we get beyond being a hypocrite, hopefully we're there as a Christian, then Jesus said, He who is spiritual judgeth all things. Actually, I'm sorry, he said, Judge righteous judgment. He who is spiritual judgeth all things is is another verse in the New Testament. 
because there's no judgment in the church, because what's happening, what's not happening is there's no implementation of church discipline, or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, purge out the old leaven, that the whole lump may not be leavened, meaning it was talking about a brother that was participating in a gross, particularly sexual sin, he said, turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved. This is what we're supposed to be doing in the churches. It's not getting done. Oh, but brother, that's judging. That's what we have to do. We have to judge. We have to judge. If we don't judge, sin is going to permeate through the whole church. And it's not happening. It's just not happening. So that's why I'm here. To point these things out. Now, this, this email goes on, and we look at um, a picture of Toby Mack from DC Talk. What? I mean, this guy... He couldn't look any more like the world. He's got this devil, like this V kind of goatee under his mouth. His hair has been, I don't know if you call it frosted, where the, it's just like a blonde on the, on the ends, and the roots are black. Is that what that's called? Yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy looks like he's totally demonically possessed, which I'm sure he is. Typically, anybody that gets into rock, rock music in any way, shape, or form, it's well known in rock music that these men sign, sign uh, agreements with the devil. It's well known. Why? Because they exchanged this deal with the devil for wine, women, and song, music, money, the whole nine yards. Okay? Now, he, this is a picture of this Toby Mac from DC Talk, and what he would like to talk about with Marilyn Manson. It's an article here. I'm reading. Um, it's called Harmonic Diversion. Now, this is an actual scan out of a magazine. It's called Harmonic Diversion. It's, I believe it's in Time Magazine. October 12, 1998. It's right here at the bottom of the thing. I'm just going to read you a little portion of this. Social critics have long debated whether rock and roll is the devil's music or heaven-inspired. Well, it doesn't matter what social critics argue. It's, it's of the devil, period. And the Bible can prove that. It's of the world, and we're not supposed to love anything in the world. All you got to do is listen to the lyrics of rock and roll music and see who these men were inspired by, who they followed. Aleister Crowley being one of the main ones that has inspired the modern rock and roll music um, era. Led Zeppelin bought his house on, on, the, on the coast of Loch Ness, which is where the Loch Ness Monsters... Aleister Crowley had a house there. Led, Led Zeppelin bought the house. The Beatles have had pictures of, of Aleister Crowley on their, on their, in fact, it was the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band album. He's in the picture there. Now, Aleister Crowley bragged about how many human sacrifices he had done, how many little boys that he had actually sodomized and then killed. In fact, he even had in his writings on the proper and the best human sacrifice, and that would be a small boy uh, like an infant, particularly. That's what he did for fun. He bragged about how he ate feces, drank urine, participated in every single possible sexual debauchery you could possibly be in. That's what Aleister Crowley did. Now, that is one of the main men that has inspired the rock and roll movement. The main man. In fact, if, if there was one person that you could boil it all back to, that of the whole rebellion phase of the 60s, much of that started with Aleister Crowley. He wrote a book called Thelma that was demonically given to him after he was in the, the king's chamber at the pyramid in Gaza, Egypt. Giza, Egypt. 
And this book was dictated to him through what they call automatic writing, which is where basically a devil just comes and takes you over. And this book, Thelma, which is what he wrote, and he said in the book, the main tenet of the book was, do what thou wilt will be the whole of the law. In other words, do whatever you want to do. As long as it feels good, do it. That's the 60s. That's where the modern rock era came from. And I said all that to say that, because I want, them to, I want you to understand this. Where did this all come from? Rock and roll. It said in this article, that going back to the article, the latest Billboard album charts should add fuel to the theological fire. Last week, DC Talks album, now this is this Christian rock group, Supernatural, that's the name of their, their thing, debuted at number four. Now this is debuting at number four on the, on the secular rock list. Okay? Landing between Psychic Circus by KISS. KISS! Oh, let's talk about KISS. KISS, what does that stand for? Well, there's... It's, it stands for Knights in Satan's Service. I've also heard it could stand for Kings in Satan's Service. Okay, KISS are the guys that, that, that had dressed up in um, paint, uh, painted their face and all the stuff during the late 70s, early 80s, and put on these rock groups, and they, you know, they were the first, one of the first really demonically overt rock groups. Okay, um, Gene Simmons was their lead singer. Um... I mean, you know, straight from the pit of hell. So this is where DC Talk's album debuted. Between Kiss's Psychic Circus, that was at number three, and Mechanical Animal by Marilyn Manson at number five. Now, what a more appropriate place for this album to debut. Christian rock group album. The, the largest group in Christian rock at the time debuts between Marilyn Manson and the Knights and Satan Service. How appropriate. It's right where it needs to be. You know, I think God, God arranged, God let it be arranged that way, I should say. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson is so sick and so disgusting. This guy is beyond warped, sick. The, the fact that, that our society would even allow this man, this sick, disgusting, beyond pervert man, to go and have rock concerts. He shouldn't even be allowed on American soil. This man is so sick. I'm, I can't even tell you the stuff he does on stage. I can't. I can't tell it to you. It's not a, I mean, some of the stuff I said about Crowley probably it wasn't appropriate. But he did do it. I, but I'm not even going to tell you about the stuff Marilyn Manson does on stage. And brags about it. Brags about, you know, his, his hatred for, for Jesus Christ. I've never. If you ever see a picture of Marilyn Manson, you will never, probably, ever see anybody that looks more demonically taken over and possessed than this guy. Look, his eyes alone are unbelievable. So this is where DC Talk debuts its album. But while the demonic Manson courts controversy, and now I'm going back to the article. While the demonic Manson courts controversy and the gen geriatric kiss covets relevance, meaning geriatric because they're an older group, DC Talk is appealing to a higher power. Oh, no, 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 they're not. They're actually, they're, their higher power is Satan. Period. That's who they're appealing to. The Christian Rock, uh, uh, the article kind of gets cut off here, but it's, he, this man from, Toby Mack from DC Talk says, um, in his, in his bio on his website, 
There's no reference to salvation anywhere on this man's website, number one. Being saved, scriptural references, or any plain relevance to Jesus Christ. He said, maybe it's there, but it's not noticeable. Now, this is Pastor Slattery reporting back on this. What was noticeable on this man's website from this DC Talk, Toby Mac from DC Talk, was what was noticeable on his website was stuff... I'm sorry, this got kind of cut off here. Um, yeah, it got cut off. I can't read what it says. Anyway, he went on to this other person that, that is a Christian rock star, Kevin Mack. He had, a, I believe, an album called The Imposter. And he went out of his way to look effeminate as possible, which is a pretty big trend you see with a lot of these people. They look like total homosexuals. Many of them are. It goes hand in hand with a lot of this stuff. Um, and guess what Bible they endorse? That's right, the NIV. Um, the closest they could get to the Bible was a link to Franklin Graham's website. That was the closest they could get. Okay. So anyway, this is what's going on in, in modern day Christendom. And I, I, I apologize here, but the the web the uh, email kind of got cut off here for me. So, anyway, this is just one of the responses that I was reading. Now, I'm going to read my response back to Naaman, okay? Because Naaman emailed me, again, after the last one that I had emailed to him. And he says this to me. Now, this is the man that, that wants his pet sin, and that's what this is all about. Here's what he says. Doesn't the Bible tell us that we should judge people by their works and the fruit they bear? Well, isn't that what I've just talked about here? Now, I've sent this man, I don't know how many emails, on the fruit of Christian rock and rock and roll. But yet, he ignores all that. And it's as though I had never wrote him. Because he says that we should judge people by their works and the fruit they bear. Can any scripture be twisted? How ironic that he would say this to me when he has paid not one bit of attention to any scripture that I have quoted him. And that's all I've done to this man practically is quote scripture. <laughs> How ironic. Isn't this what you expect from somebody that's backed into a corner that wants their pet sin? What will happen is, is they will do everything they can do to get the spotlight off themselves back onto the person. Back onto the source of what is exposing them, is really what it boils down to. They don't want to be exposed. The devil loves darkness. So he says, I would like to share the lyrics to one of my favorite Christian, quote, satanic songs, as you call them. And it, it goes, what if I stumble, what if I fall? Is this the one for the people? Is this one for the Lord? Or do I simply serenade for things I must afford? You can jumble them together. My conflict still remains. Holiness is calling in the midst of courting fame. You know, something. this is like some type of pointless, poetic rambling. What does this have to do with the Bible? That's what I always come back to. I'm not even going to read the rest because I don't even want to take up our time with it. What does this have to do with the Bible, with the Word of God? This is your opinion, dude. I don't care... If they were even, even if their message was purely biblical, they're doing it in the wrong medium. They're not doing it in a biblical way, so it's going to be tainted. 
I'm sure that many of the early Christian rock songs had really good lyrics at one point. But when you combine that with drumbeat with the world, it leavens the lump. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven is always a type of sin. Sin will always permeate through through whatever you're dealing with if you let it stay there. Like yeast goes through, leaven or yeast goes through a, a lump of dough. It's the same rationale. That's why the Bible says, Purge ye out therefore the old leaven, that the whole lump may, may be made new. Because if you don't do that, it's going to affect everything. So he goes on to say, at the end here, it says, you can call the people who wrote this, now this is the man that's, that's wanting his Christian rock, you can call the people who wrote this evil all you want. That's between you and God. The God I serve is all powerful. He takes the tools Satan uses to destroy and uses them instead to spread his word. Now, I'm not going to say anything. Now. I'm just going to read this in its entirety and then I'm going to show you my response. Just like he did with Paul who fed his children to the lions. So I do not choose to put God in a box. You seem to have a problem with almost everyone. That's not, that's not an insult, just an observation. You should be careful so the message you're spreading doesn't seem to be hate. <laughs> I have done a lot of meditating on the things, and I wanted, to, I wanted to say here, first upon reading your message, it almost seemed as though you were attacking my character, which is why I have not replied in a few days. Now this is in regard to the email that I sent out before. I did not want to say something out of anger. That is what Satan would want. However, unless you can show me scripture that specifically states all rock music is evil, then I don't think you can definitively say that it is. <laughs> I have never heard of anybody committing suicide while listening to it, and I have never heard of playing records backwards hearing anything satanic on it. It sounds as if you're condemning them, and that's wrong. Have you ever listened to any of it? If not, then how can you judge? Okay, now I'm going to tell you my response. It, it was so hard for me to just to read that and not burst out into a <laughs> response. But I'm going to read you my response. Now, I've already responded to this man three or four times. Okay? Now we're now I don't I'm not messing around anymore. I'm 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 not going to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore. I'm, that's done. It's over. Okay? The Bible says that's how it's supposed to be. I'm going to prove it right now. We don't just go here and play patty cake with people like this when they're going to stay in their apostasy and they're putting this publicly out on a forum for all to see. I'm not, now, if he'd come to me privately, it'd be one thing. But no, that's not the case. I wrote back to him. I'm not going to give his name. But I said, you're truly unbelievable. You examine and refute nothing that is given to you. Now, this is based on Proverbs 18, 13. He that judgeth the matter before he heareth it is a folly and a shame on him. This is exactly what this man has done. He has not examined one single thing I have sent to him. Not one single Bible verse. No conviction at all. He's not saved. There's no way he can be saved. He's got, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, how in the world could you be exposed to this much truth and still, and still persist in your sin and still ignore everything? Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy verse one, um, uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, it says that in the latter, latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Well, isn't that what we're dealing with here? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having, speaking lies and hypocrisy? Hypocrisy. 
They think that they're in need of nothing, yet they're blind, wretched, weak. And they have a beam in their own eye, and they're trying to look at the speck in their brothers. That is hypocrisy. Okay? I'm not saying I'm better than this man. I'm not saying that I'm Mr. Super Christian. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Okay? But I have been shown this. And I do have a right to speak on this topic, as you will, as you will see. Anybody has a right to speak on this topic, I do. Because I've been there. With Christian rock, and with the other types of rock. So, he's judged the matter before he heard it. And I've given him several long, lengthy emails, rebuttals. At first I tried to come to him in a nice way, and that has not worked. He just ignores everything. Now, I'm not, if it was just me and him, to be honest with you, I mean, if he would have come to me personally and privately, yes, I would have devoted this much time. But I'm, I wouldn't have just normally done this, but because it was up on a public message form, I thought for the benefit of the others to understand it was worth doing. Not only that, I can, I can if this ever comes up in the future, I can send this, these emails out. Because I believe it's pertinent to the body of Christ. This isn't just some little thing between me and him. This is, okay, let's teach the body of Christ what we need to do here in this particular circumstance. So you examine and refute nothing, and yet you try to turn the spotlight back on the Christians, particularly my uh, Pastor Slattery and myself, turn the spotlight back on the Christians who are trying to biblically guide you in the right direction, so that you can justify your own sin, or your own pet sin in this case. Once again, the only thing you've brought forth is your opinion. Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.22 There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You strain at gnats and swallow camels. Matthew 23.24, that's where we get that verse. The main issue here, Naaman, oh, sorry, is that you want to keep your sin and nobody's going to tell you otherwise. That's it. That is the, that's the main issue. You want to boil all this down? You want to go to where the rubber meets the road? He wants to keep his own sin. That's what, it, that's what it's about. And nobody's going to tell him otherwise. I go on to say you deserve an open rebuke because you openly, publicly, repeatedly, dogmatically insist on putting forth unbiblical notions. He deserves this. Titus 1, 9 through 16. Now this isn't preached too much in the church is what I'm going to be quoting you. But it's in the Bible. Titus, New Testament. Titus 1, 9 through 16. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. That's what we're doing here. We're, holding, we're earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Jude, verse 2 or 3 I believe. So, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine, to both exhort and convince the gainsayers. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're doing here with this whole uh, study. The Bible goes on to say, For there are many unruly, vain, and vain talkers and deceivers. That's what we're dealing with. I'm sorry. Especially they have the circumcision. Now at the time, there was a very large problem with people that were involved in Judaism that were trying to pull people back into the bondage of Judaism once Jesus Christ had liberated them from the curse of the law. Now if you doubt that, just read the whole book of Galatians and tell me what you do with that whole book. Because there's, there's a lot of things in Galatians that specifically deal with not going back to the weak and beggarly elements from once you were from where was once you were delivered. And this includes a lot of things like 
well, we won't even get into that, but a lot of the things that, that get into the law, okay? So it says, especially they that be of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Now, the Bible says this. I'm not saying this. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. Subvert? That means they're taking whole houses away from the Lord. You know what they're doing? They're taking people to hell. That's what this all boils down to. They subvert whole houses. What's the end of subverting a whole house? That means that whole house ends up going to hell. That's why their mouths must be stopped. That's why I respond back to these types of things. Because the Bible says their mouths must be stopped. Is it politically correct what I'm doing? No, but I really don't care. My life is not a popularity contest. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. If, if your faith is worth living for, then you need to, then it should be worth dying for. I've come to that point where I just believe that's the, the point that, that Jesus wants us at. I'm not saying everybody's going to die in the body of Christ for their faith, but there's pretty good likelihood moving into the times we're moving into. It may happen. You just need to be willing, and you need to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ, not of your own self, not of your own strength. It's not about you being a big, big, tough guy. It's got to be through Jesus Christ. So, going on here, it says that teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. Of course, it always boils back to money, typically. Or if they want their pet sin. One of them, now this is Titus again, one of them, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Now, does that, boy, that sounds like judging. I can't believe he said that. How, I, I can't believe, I'll just, I'll leave that part of the Bible out. That doesn't seem politically correct to me. Well, you know, it's not politically correct. The Bible's not politically correct. Paul said it. I didn't. Paul said it. Titus is concerned with the order of the churches, with the divine order of the local churches. Now, I'm going to read to you from um, the note in the Bible that I've got. On the one hand, to churches... Okay, the permanent epistle of the epistle, the permanent use of these epistles in Titus is a twofold application. On one hand, to churches grown careless as to the truth of God. On the other, to churches careless as to the order of God's house. The importance of this order is made solemnly emphatic in the test by which true elders and deacons may be, be known, which is repeated. That's what the Bible says. How often is this preached on? And we're not even going to get into the, the, the true order of elders and deacons today, but this is how it should be in the church. It's not being done. He said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, and then, Paul says, this witness is true. Sounds like judging to me. Well, the Bible says he was spiritual judge of all things. He's not being a hypocrite, because he's not a hypocrite. He's not, and that's why Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. If you're a hypocrite, don't do that. So he goes on to say, after he says, this, is a, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they, may be found, that they may be sound in the faith. Why you rebuke them sharply? So that they can be found sound in the faith. Period. That's it. I was at a church six months ago, and that was the last church I, I've been in, and the last incorporated church I will ever be in, without any doubt. And um, a man had come up there and openly rebuked me from the pulpit regarding a sermon that I had preached on Christmas, which is 
nothing more than a pagan holiday repackaged. And it's an abomination in the sight of God. And I can prove that to the nth degree. It's not me proving it. It's what's widely available as facts. But I got up during the middle of this quote sermon he was preaching and I rebuked him. And he was standing behind the pulpit. Well, I rebuked him openly because he was rebuked, trying to rebuke me openly. This hypocrite was up in there trying to prove me wrong. He wasn't doing it. He couldn't do it biblically. He was giving me, rendering me his opinion. That's what they'll always fall back on. Their accusatory opinion. I don't care what your opinion is. If your opinion contradicts the word of God, then it's wrong. It's wrong. If my opinion contradicts the word of God, it's wrong. Period. That's all. I don't hold him to any higher accountability than I would hold myself. I'm not doing this hypocritically. Now, if you if you try to hold somebody to a different accountability than you would hold yourself, then it is hypocritical. It is then. But let's let's. There's a time and a place for everything. Remember, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. So he says, Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables. Which is what's happening a lot today with the modern messianic movement in the Christian church. It's infiltrating it. It's bringing us back to a works-based religion. It's not biblical. I'm telling you, flee that stuff. They're bringing us back into the bondage of the law. It's not in there. Christ has freed us from the law of sin. Christ has freed us from the curse of the law, I should say. And just read the book of Galatians if you doubt it. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men. Well, now imagine if this man was able to go forth and go forth and, and, and what, if, what if he started his own Bible study or church? And he started bringing forth these unbiblical notions. Well, that would be the commandments. That's where this stuff all starts. It's the commandments of men that turn from the truth. What do the commandments of men do? They always turn you from the truth to a lie. It's their natural byproduct. It's what they give birth to. Unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. That's what happens when you stay in this stuff. Your mind and your conscience become defiled. Your conscience doesn't work anymore. See, your conscience should be there to, to always convict you of right and wrong. But because their conscience has many times been seared with a hot iron, according to 1 first, first Timothy 4.1, their conscience has been defiled and right and wrong don't register anymore properly. Well, unto them they call evil good and good evil. That's what we're dealing with. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. So that's what we're dealing with here. So it says... They, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Their, their good works are reprobate. Now the Bible does say all, all of our righteousness, uh, Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteousness are filthy rags, okay? When we try to do it apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, all our righteousness are as filthy rags, period. Our best day is a filthy rag before God, apart from Christ, okay? But, but notice this. It says that they profess they know God. This man is professing he knows God. He's professing that all these, these Christian rock groups know God too. Oh, why? 
Well, they, they, they bear such good fruit. You know something? I was at a real radical Pentecostal church at one time. And I remember they had this big rock concert there. And they wanted all these workers there because they knew there was going to be all these people getting saved. And I went there and I did. And sure enough, afterward, like two or three hundred people supposedly given their... Now, I have no idea what the salvation message was. It was probably one of those, Yeah, man, if you like want to give your heart to Jesus and you want to go to heaven, we'll go backstage because we're going to like help you out with this thing. It's probably one of those. Okay, I'm sorry, but I think that's probably what happened. You know, and so, I have to interject humor in here sometimes. Um, and so, I was back there, sure enough, this stampede of people that had supposedly just got saved, all, all teenagers, led some to the Lord, these types of things. And uh, when it was all said and done, everybody went home, I thought, oh man, what, I've never seen a greater move of God in my life. That's how I deceived I was. So again, I'm not trying to hold, I'm not saying I've never been there, been deceived. But the difference is, is do you yield to the deception or do you yield to the truth when the truth is shown you? Do you want to hold on to your pet sin? That's the difference. Okay? Between somebody that's going to end up serving God and somebody that's not. I couldn't have come out of it any more worldly background. I am very qualified to speak on this very subject. Because I have been there and done it. I wasn't brought up in a strict church where, where I, I didn't have any of that. None of that. Until the age of 24. And even then I didn't have it. I had to find this all out through the school of biblical hard knocks. Every bit of this. I went through it the hard way. God took me through it. It was like going through a cheese grinder in reverse or something. It was terrible. But I found out. I yielded. I praised God. I humbled myself. I, I praised God that, that, that he showed me this stuff. But all these people come backstage. And so we, you know, supposedly all these people get led to the Lord. And I thought, oh man, the next week is... Or, or, actually, this took place on like a Friday night or a Saturday night. And I thought, I was thinking in my mind. My mind was went to the, to the Sunday morning service. And I'm thinking, that is going to be... I mean, this was a big church I was in anyway. But it's going to be the best Sunday service we've ever... We're going to have more people there than we've ever had. At least 300 more. Get there Sunday morning. There was actually less people there on that Sunday morning than I had seen in a long time. I did not see one person who had supposedly been led to the Lord by this Christian rock group there not one more. I, could, I, I looked. I remember I was, in my, I was in my seat. I was looking around. I was trying to see if there was anybody I didn't recognize. Not one. What is the fruit? Those, those kids are going to go home thinking they got saved. Easy, easy believism. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, many that will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, you know, and, and, and haven't we done this or that or this? He will say, I depart from me, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction, narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Many are called, but few are chosen. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You think that was preached to them that night from the Christian rock band? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know, I don't think I know, because there was no fruit. No fruit. The Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. Hmm, that was the fruit. A lot of people going home thinking they're saved for eternity and they're going to go to hell. 
because of that night thinking that they got saved. And they're going to have probably have that same thing reinforced by other Christian rock groups, by other preachers, and there's going to be a ton of blood on a lot of hands when it's all said and done. According to Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33, that's what's going to happen when we see something and we see the sword coming and we don't warn, then he says, I, their, their blood will I require at your hands. And that's why it's important for us to warn and get this stuff out there. When it's appropriate. When we can do it. I mean, you can't be all things to all men. You can only do what you can do. Whatever God's called you to do, whatever position He's put you in, that's what we need to do. But it's just not going on in the Christian church, is what I'm trying to say here. So it says, again, I'll just repeat that last verse. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. In works they deny Him. By their fruit you shall know them. It should be getting saved with works following. Okay, Works are a byproduct of the Holy Spirit coming down and living inside you. Okay? You're going to want to do good works. Okay? It's not going to be something, oh yeah, I'm going to earn my way to heaven now after I got saved. No, it's not about that. But the works should be forthcoming from the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling and living inside you. The Bible says we're the tabernacle of God now. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Talks about that where, where we talk about the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ. It says, you're the temple of the Holy God. Which temple are ye? Do not defile the temple. Okay, so, it's just, it's, there's a lot of this that relates to the scripture. And, and you can prove it scripturally. It's easy to prove scripturally. Now, unfortunately, this man hasn't proven one thing scripturally whatsoever. Nothing. So they profess they know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable, that's how God views them, being abominable and disobedient. And unto every good work, reprobate. That's it. Now, Naaman's email. Let's, let's go through that last paragraph that, that he so eloquently put to me. With Bible quotes and my answers in blue. So, Naaman, this man says, You can call people who wrote this evil all you want. That's between you and your God. Now, actually, by their fruits you shall know them. And it's obvious. So, it's not a railing accusation. It's not unbiblical judging when it's truth. The Bible says, speak evil of no man. But there's a big difference between evil and truth. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Well, Paul did it. He said, Demas have forsaken me for this present world. Well, there we go again. So we're supposed to do this. If you're right with the Lord. If you're not right with the Lord, you don't have the you don't you, you are a hypocrite, you don't have the right to do it. You need to get your own self right first so that you can, you know. And then he says, The God I serve is all powerful. He takes tools Satan uses to destroy and uses them to spread his word. Now this is what he's this man said to me. I quote back to him. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-17 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God, which you are, if you're saved, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I dwell in them and walk in them. 
I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God calls us to come out from this junk, and be separate from it. Is that easy in today's day and age and world? As a Christian in America, no, it's probably about the hardest thing that's ever been that a Christian's ever had to face, just about, from a worldly standpoint, okay? I don't want to compare it to the martyrdom of people, but it's very, very hard to keep unspotted from the world in the day and time we're living in. Okay, so he says, um, he says, God, the God I serve is all-powerful. He takes the tools Satan uses to destroy and uses them instead to spread his word. God doesn't need to go back and use Satan's devices in order to accomplish his work. He does it through holiness, through the right order. He does not have to use Satan's device. He does not have to use Christian rock music. He doesn't have to use all of the psychiatry and psychology that's going on in the church. He doesn't have to make the churches a worldly place in order to draw people in. The devil does. You're right. The devil does about that. But not God. God will not do that. God is black and white. He doesn't compromise. Period. So that is a totally false statement straight from the pit of hell. Some people say, yeah, well, Jesus went to the prostitutes and the, and the uh, tax collectors and all these people. Yes, he went to them. But he did, number one, he did not participate in their sin. He wasn't there drinking a beer with them or, or snorting coke or doing whatever he was doing with them. Actually, quite the contrary. His very presence convicted them of their sin, and many of them got right and got saved and came over to his side. He didn't go to their side in order to try. He didn't get an earring and get tattoos and, 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 and read some apostate Bible and go into a Christian church in order to do all this. He wouldn't do that. So there's a big difference there. So, this man goes on to say in this letter to me, he says, just like he did with Paul, who fed his children to the lions. So, in other words, he used Paul, who was at once in league with Satan, and God turned that around. Okay, now, great point, but here's the difference. He said in the, in the verse above, or in the, the sentence above, he said, the, the God I serve is all-powerful, he takes the tools Satan uses to destroy and uses them to spread his word. Well, actually, the God he serves is not all-powerful, because he's serving Satan, period. Okay. He takes the tools Satan uses to destroy and uses them to spread his word. Just like he did with Paul, who fed his children to lions. Big, 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 big difference here. Paul, number one, was a person. Okay. God can take any person, if they yield to the Lord, because he gives them free will... He could take that person, I don't care if the man was was um, a satanic high priest, he can still take that person if he yields to the Lord, if he gets saved, and do unbelievable mighty things with him. Praise the Lord that he can do that. Okay, but what we're talking about here is different. Paul was a person. Rock music of any form is a tool of the devil. Rock music is a tool of the world. Paul was a person. Big difference. Big, gigantic difference. Then this person goes on to say, So I do not choose to put God in a box. Oh, well, I'm so glad he's more spiritual than I. I, I really am, because I, I, you know, I'm 
sorry, I, I have to interject sarcasm into these things sometimes. I, my response to this about putting God in a box, neither do I. But God does have one overriding standard. And this isn't putting God in a box. This is God's way, not my way. God does have one overriding standard. It's called holiness. And there's nothing holy about rock music of any form. See all the emails that I have sent you. All the documentation. I didn't just say, give him my opinion. I gave him what the Bible says, and then I gave him all the documentation to prove it. I don't know what more I could have done. But they're blind. They, they, they're willingly ignorant of these things. Professing themselves to be wise, they become as fools. That's what we're dealing with here. Then he says, you seem to have a problem with almost everyone, with almost everyone. That's not an insult, just an observation. You should be careful. So the message you're spreading doesn't seem to be hate. You know something? This person's going to be the first one on the bandwagon when the hate police, when Homeland Security, when the churches become totally taken over because they're set up for it right now. He's going to be one of the first ones jumping on the bandwagon. That's hate speech. They need to go off to the concentration camps. They're no good. They, I, I've dealt with this person before. He's going to be, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, the church, the modern day apostate, lukewarm, unchristian church is going to be the ones that are turning over and turning in the true biblical Christians. Because our very presence convicts them of their sin. I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying that. But anybody that's going to want to live holy is going to be a thorn in the side of, a, of, a, of somebody that calls themselves a Christian who's living unholy. We're going to be a thorn in their side. And they're going to be the first ones to turn us in. They're going to be our greatest enemies. They're just going to, they're just going to turn us over to the government. If it gets to that point. Uh, it, we'll get to that point sooner or later. So, after he says this thing about um, you have a problem with almost everyone. You're spreading. You, you need to be careful to see. To um, so the message that you're spreading doesn't seem to be hate. I respond back to him. Oh my, you really need a scriptural education. See the quotes from Jesus Christ below. Matthew 3, 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Wow, that sounds like hate and judgment. Bummer. Uh, so, I don't know what happened here. It's in the Bible. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? See, when you're evil, you can't speak good things. You can't. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, when people espouse to all these unbiblical views, it's out of the abundance of their heart. Their heart is deceiving them. Jesus just confirms this. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. Matthew 23, 33. Ye serpents, ye generations of vipers. How, how, much, how much worse could Jesus call somebody than these things? How can ye escape the damnation of hell? I didn't say Jesus did. Your problem's with Jesus. He's judging. Sorry. That's the way it goes. Luke 3, 7. And he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized, O ye generations of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, I never heard Jesus say that. That's because the church you're going to, 
doesn't preach like this. It doesn't give you the whole counsel of God. And the Bible that you're reading, most likely, is an apostate, lukewarm piece of trash. NIV alone has 64,098 less words than the, than the authorized King James Version. We need to be reading the authorized King James Version, and I learned that the hard way also. So then I say back to this man, sounds like hate speech, doesn't it? These Bible verses. You see, your problem is really not with me, or with Pastor Slattery, but it's with the Word of God. That is what you're fighting. You see, the Bible is full of what would be termed in today's day and age as hate speech. That is why in the near future, the King James Bible will be banned, as it will be labeled hate speech. Now, they've got Bible versions coming out that won't be banned. There's one called the Inclusive Version, where I believe that, that they refer to Jesus Christ as the One. You can't even say that out of a Bible like that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father up but by me. John 14, 6. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, how are you going to believe on Jesus Christ if they don't even have his name in the Bible you're reading? And the Bibles are becoming so watered down and lukewarm, that's where it's all heading. So, the Bible is already, theoretically, with the way these hate speech things have been passed, the Bible really, theoretically, should be outlawed right now if they would just enforce it. Because you're not supposed to speak out against homosexuality. Well, there's all kinds of things about homosexuality, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. The Bible talks about the abusers of themselves with mankind, and women um, leaving the natural use of their body, and men burning toward men, and that, and that the effeminate, and that um, uh, those that abuse themselves with mankind will not enter into the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says, not me, in the New Testament. You can't tell me I'm not going to go to heaven. I can be a homosexual and, and I'm still going to go. No, you're not. You're going to go to hell. You're just being deceived. You're being deceived. I, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? We got love all mixed up. Well, if, if you love me, you wouldn't speak that way to me. Oh, okay, I won't speak that way to you so you can go in hell and rot and burn in hell in the lake of fire for eternity. Because I love you. It's all backwards. It's all backwards. Everything's reversed. That's the time we're living in. Everything's reversed. So, I go on and he says, I've done a lot of meditating on the things, and I wanted meditating. Yeah, probably. Was he in a, was he in a lotus position? In a yoga yotus position? Meditating? I mean, what? Meditating? What does that mean? I've done a lot of meditating on these things, and I wanted to say here, upon first reading your message, it almost seemed as if you were attacking my character, which is why I've not replied in a few days. I'm sorry, the Word of God's attacking your character. Because the Word of God is a light. And it's a lamp under our feet if we let it be, but it's also a light. What does light do? It exposes darkness. If there's darkness in your character, then the Word of God's going to expose it. I'm not attacking your character. The Word of God is. Your problem is not with me, it's with the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying this just to this person. I'm saying it to myself, too. I'm not saying there's things that I don't read in the Bible that don't sit right with me. Good. That's your flesh. And we'll battle it till the day we die. It's not fun. But it's not my rule book, either. So he says, um, I did not want to say something out of anger. 
That is what Satan would want. Well, if it's righteous indignation, there's nothing wrong. But he can't operate in righteous indignation because there's no righteousness that I can see in this man. His righteousness is warped. It's perverted. His sense of righteousness is not righteousness. He's calling evil good and good evil. So this is the, this is the difference. However, unless you can show me scripture, he always goes back to this, that specifically states all rock music is evil, then I don't think you can definitively say that. That's what he always goes back to. Oh, okay. Like, the Bible was written, you know, over 2,000 years ago, just more, or around there, or the New Testament, and then the Old Testament was further than that. And as though they're going to have a specific Bible verse in there about modern-day Christian rock. So they always ask you to do something that can't be done. There's, it's not going to specifically say, Thou shalt not listen to Led Zeppelin and Ozzy Osbourne, which is what he wants. With, apart from that, he won't believe it. I've already given this man so many scriptures, so many um, pieces of documentation that he could, if he really had a heart to, he could find this out. He's just refusing to be... To want to see it. He does, he's got to have his pet sin. Nobody's going to take this away from him. Eventually, God will take it away from him. Whether it's in this life or the other. And, and here's another thing. If this man was truly saved, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if, if ye be without chastisement, you are bastards. Now, that, the Word of God says that, not me, in the New Testament. Well, if this man is continually listening to rock music and justifying it in his head and not under any chastisement of God, and bearing the wrong kind of fruit, which he's obviously bearing, how is this man saved then? Well, it feels right to me. Well, if the Holy Spirit lived inside you, you would eventually get convicted that it was not right. But yet I see none of that. How can he be saved? I'm just, I'm, I'm posing the question. How can he be saved? I'm not saying that you can't backslide and get right. But there's always chastening. If you be without chastisement, you're bastards. It's just a check. It's a check for every Christian. I'm not just saying that to him. I'm saying it to myself. And, and again, I say to him on this, I said, I said if, if all the biblical rebuttals to your opinions, and that's all this is, his opinions, have not convinced you yet, there's little hope you will ever be convinced. And then he goes on to say, I have never heard anybody committing suicide while listening to it. I have never heard of playing records backwards, hearing satanic messages on I, Well, I can't even tell you how many videos I've seen on this. Where backward masking was so obvious, where, where they're playing these songs backwards and all the satanic messages. <laughs> Ever listen to Hotel California backwards? By the Eagles? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable what is said about Satan when you play these things backwards. That's a part of the occult, you know. In fact, there was a whole part where Aleister Crowley said, everything that you do during certain times of the day, do it backwards. Walk backwards, talk backwards, write backwards. It has something to do with the demonic realm. I don't understand it totally, but I'm telling you it's there. He wrote about it. This is Aleister Crowley. Now, I, I say to him, I just got this email from... Um, Pastor David Cloud the other day, on all of the rock stars, or at least a partial list of the rock stars, just the rock stars that have committed suicide over the years. 
It's gigantic. This list. That's not to mention all the kids and all the men and all the women who've committed suicide as a result of rock music. Okay? And then he says, have you ever listened to it? Meaning Christian rock. And I said, actually, yes, I've listened to it extensively when I was both in the world and a fledgling Christian. And that is one of the reasons I am qualified to render a judgment regarding this matter. Now, even if I had never listened to it, I would still be qualified because you compare it with the word of the Lord. And if it doesn't line up, it's not of God. It's of the world. It's obvious. It's of the world. And I, get, I go on to give him a whole bunch of quotes, which I've already mentioned. But there's another one, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Why do we want to learn these things? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. John 8.31 and 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believe on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Well, how do we know if we're really a disciple of Christ? If we continue in his word? Wow. What if you're not? Well, maybe you're not a disciple. And then he says, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now that's the only part of the verse we ever hear, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's how we get free. Through the truth. You want to be in bondage? Live your life in deception. You're in bondage then. And then Matthew seven sixteen and 24. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. There we go. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whoa. That doesn't sound real good to me. That sounds like hell. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's who's going to enter in. The ones that do the will of... Does that mean that we get saved by works? No. But works should be following getting saved. We're not saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, Ephesians 2.11 For you're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so, listening to some of this, somebody could say, well, if I don't do this and I don't do that, no, 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 easy. I'm not saying that we're saved through works, but works should be following. Fruit should be a byproduct of the Holy Spirit living inside you, bearing fruit. Fruit of the Spirit? What spirit are they talking about? The Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, kindness, faith, temperance, meekness. All these fruits of the Spirit. Okay? So that's what they're, they're in reference to here. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Ooh, could this be a false prophet? I've seen a lot of those around, modern day unchristendom. And many have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He says the workers of iniquity. Therefore whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man, which built his house on a rock. That's, that's who he considers wise. Who hears these sayings and then does them. Jeremiah 7.28 but thou shalt say to them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. 
if, if ever America wasn't that, I don't know what is. This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. They, they, they refuse to be corrected, which is what I'm dealing with in this whole email thing. They won't be corrected. You can't tell them what to do. Then, it says, truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. See, they can't even utter forth truth anymore. It's just lies. It's just lies. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So, they... Paul's saying he's beseeching you to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you were supposed to do this. But it's not happening. Why? Because they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own flesh, for filthy lucre. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, he sounded so good. He was such a wonderful preacher. Oh, he was a good man. Did you hear that message? It was so positive. I just felt so good. I had goosebumps all over me walking out of there. It was such a feeling I never had before in my life. That's not going to get you to heaven. That's straight from the pit of hell, most of the time. I'm not saying it couldn't be of the Lord. I'm not saying that if it was biblical, that couldn't be the case. But I'm talking for most of what's going on in modern day so-called Christianity. It's, it's, it's of the devil. It is. Titus 3.10 A man that is an heretic after the first in admonition reject. A man that's a heretic. Well, isn't this man just showing me he's a heretic? I'm rejecting him. Sorry. I'm not going to dialogue with this anymore. The Bible says to do it. You have a pro- Oh, you're, you're judgmental. You're a bigot. No, I'm not. The Bible says a man that is an heretic, and that's, a heretic is somebody that's departed from the faith. That's giving heed to doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. That's trying to say, oh no, no, this is okay, when it's biblically totally not okay. Somebody that that potentially is going to take other people to hell because of his vain philosophy. Man that's a heretic after the first and that second admonition, reject. I've admonished him, this is the fourth time. I reject him. The Bible says to do it. So then I say, at this point, it is pointless to continue any further dialogue with you. It reminds me of the phrase, my mind is made up, don't confuse me with the facts. That's what this is about. My mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. And Matthew 7, 6, which is said, cast not your pearls therefore before the swine, because they will rend and trample them. That's what we're doing here. Now, I don't believe as though I've cast my pearls before the swine, because there was other people that was able to see this. Okay, let me make a correction on something that I said. The website that you want to go for Christian rock music is av1611.org. av1611.org. If you type that in there, and they'll give you the... Um, it load your boat on all the biblical guidelines for, for music. Period. It, there's biblical guidelines for music, and we, we need to just adhere to them. That's all it is. It's just a matter of being obedient. That's all we're really dealing with here. Um, okay, now, go, moving on here. 
Um, let's see here. I want to see. If we go to um, Galatians, we're going to finish out up with Galatians today. Um, Galatians chapter 5, and again, the, the, the reason that I started this study on Galatians is because of all of the bondage I'm seeing that um, is being done here in the Christian church, particularly through various religious factions trying to bring us back into bondage, bring us back in under the law, and combining works with grace. It's unbiblical, it's unholy, and it was something that was probably one of the most stern warnings in all of the Bible that was talked about, that Paul particularly railed against. And who better to render an opinion regarding the law and grace than Paul, who was one of the most zealous Zealous, um, I'm trying to think of the word, he, he, he sought after the law more zealously than just about any person on earth, okay? So much so that when he thought he was killing Christians, he was doing God's service. So chapter 5, Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. See, Christ has made us free by the liberty which we have through him. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, again, let's preface. Who was the book of Galatians written to? It was written to the Gauls, okay, which were a, like, uh, kind of a non-Jewish Christian group, okay, to the book of Galatians. We're dealing with the book of Galatians. The theme of Galatians is the vindication of the gospel of grace of God from any admixture of law conditions. Admixture. It was a mixture of these people, these Judaizers had come back in and were trying to mix the law with grace. So that's what Galatians is all about. If you get confused about this issue, just read Galatians. Well, they said I've got to keep the Sabbath. And they said I've got to keep the feast days. And they said I've got to do this and do that in order to be, in order to be saved so I can maintain my, my uh, salvation, these works. Well, then you need to read Galatians, and you need to stay in Galatians until you get it right. The theme of Galatians is the vindication of the gospel of grace of God from any admixture of law conditions which qualify or destroy its character of pure grace. The Galatians' error had two forms, which were both refuted in, in the book of Galatians. The first is the teaching that obedience to the law is mingled with faith as ground of the sinner's justification. The second error is that the justified believer is made perfect by keeping the law. Now we're seeing a lot of this in this, in this um, Hebrew roots movement, Messianic Jewish movement, Jews for Jesus, all these things. Haven't, oh, you can't use the word God, you've got to use Yahweh, you got to use, you, you can't spell God's name out, you've got to sp spell it out with a hyphen. All this stuff, I've got, I've got whole emails that refute each one of these subjects. And if anybody wants to uh, have them emailed to me, email me at uh, drjohnson, drjohnson, at 
ix.netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M dot com, and I'll get these articles to you. Just tell me what you want. Um, Paul meets the first form of error by demonstration that justification is through the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis 15, 18. In that the law, which was 430 years after the confirmation of the Abrahamic covenant, the law was given 430 years later. Okay? And that the true purpose of which was condemnation, not justification. This was the, this was the true purpose of the law. Condemnation, not justification. So that we could see our sin. But that um, this, this whole thing cannot disannul a salvation which, which rests upon the earlier covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Paul meets the second and more subtle form by vindicating the offices of the Holy Spirit as sanctifier. Now we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Going back to Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, this sounds like if he's saying, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, sounds like it's something that can happen to a Christian. If he's saying, don't be tangled with it, well, it sounds like something we can be tangled up with. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, if you, back then, it was mandatory, you had to be circumcised, according to Levitical law, and, you know, that was a big deal, okay, prior to the Lord Jesus Christ coming. Well, He's saying now, Paul is saying that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. In other words, if you're trusting in your circumcision now to get you to heaven, Christ is not going to profit you anything. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. See, when he says being circumcised, what he means is that they basically say, I'm under the law. Oh yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus, but I'm also under the law. I, I, we're going to have it both ways. No, it doesn't happen both ways. It's Christ where no way. So, if, you, if you're going to go that route, you've got to be a debtor to do the whole law. And it's impossible. You can't do it. And you're going to, all you're going to be is a sinner before the Lord. You're, our best day is not going to measure up. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. So, so these are the things. And then what is the wages? Well, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so the wages of that sin is death. So that's why we can only go through the Lord Jesus Christ. For I, and then I go into verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to, to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law. Christ has become of no effect. I'm not saying it. The Bible's saying it. But you've got all these, these so-called people that call themselves Christians saying that you've got to do both now. Where's that? You're fallen from grace. You ever hear that expression? You're fallen from grace? Well, this is where it comes from. Right here. When you, when you think that you're justified by the law by going back to Old Testament Levitical law, then you're fallen from grace. Period. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Always comes back to faith. <clears throat> for we, through the Spirit, what Spirit? The Holy Spirit that lives inside you once you're a Christian. You do it through the Holy Spirit. 
We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It's about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. These are all Bible quotes I'm giving you. Verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything. It doesn't matter anymore. He's a better covenant. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Okay, it's about faith. Okay, and love. Love toward the Lord, love toward your brethren. The Bible says, by this all men will know you, by, by the love that you have one toward another. So, then he says, ye did run well, this is in past tense, Speaking to the Galatian Christians, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? So evidently they were running pretty good there at the start, but Satan always shows up, rears his ugly head whenever anybody's doing right, and they were fledgling Christians. This is when Christianity was in the fledgling stage. It was in the very beginnings. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who did this to you? It was the Judaizers. It was the Jews that had come in and to spy out their liberty that they had in Christ Jesus. And that um, basically they're the ones that wanted to bring them back into this. That's what they had done. They had, in fact, that's a direct quote. I'm trying to find it here. But they were, they were there to spy out their liberty. Here it is. In Galatians 1 verse... Uh, Galatians 2 verse... Let's start with verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. See, he was a Greek. He wasn't compelled to be circumcised. He was not a Jew. In that, because of false brethren, now he's calling them false brethren, not me, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. That's why they want to do this. They want to bring us into bondage. They want to send us to hell. They want to make of them of, of their disciples twofold the child of hell that they are. That's what Jesus said about them. He said you go about land and sea, compass both the earth and sea to make to make one proselyte who is uh, like a twofold child of hell that, that you are. That's what they do. Misery loves company. They want to bring everybody down to their level. That's what Satan's trying to do through these people. He knows he's going to, going to the lake of fire, and he wants to bring as many people as he can with them. Then he said, then, then Paul says, he says, um, so they came to spider liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not one hour. Oh, that's judging. We can't do that. Well, he said he didn't even give these Judaizers, that probably called themselves Christians, he didn't give them space by subjection, not one hour. Why? Why did he do it? That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. God, we've got to guard the gospel of truth. Earnestly contend for the faith. Because if we let these people in, and they're, they're, it's, not, it's not as though we're letting them in now. They're so far in. I can't, I can't hardly affiliate myself with any particular ministry anymore. Because they're so far into every single, in, single ministry, just about, not all, but just about, that, that I can't even think about. And most of those ministries are just 501c3 corporations anyway, and I'm not going to deal with that. 
So if we go back to verse chapter 5, and we see um, in verse 7, we'll go back to that. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? We just showed you who was hindering them. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, this persuasion to go back into the law doesn't come from God who calls us. Many, many are called, few are chosen. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Where have we read that before? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, Purge ye out therefore the old leaven, and that we should judge those that are within. Let's just read that real quick. 1 Corinthians 5. This is what's not being preached in the churches for the most part, and that's why I hammer it so much. Purge out therefore the old leaven, chapter, uh, verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be, be made a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sanctified for us. Um, and then he, then he goes on to say, verse 9, I wrote unto you to epistle, in an epistle, not the company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. You can't, you can't get away from those people that are not saved. No, this is, this is in reference to Christians. We're going to see this. But now, I have written unto you, to not keep company of any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator, or a covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, or with such one not even to eat. Not to eat. Hmm. Wow, that sounds like judging. Verse 12. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? What have I to do to judge the world? They're without. They're without the body of Christ. He even says that. Do not ye judge them that are within speaking about Christians in our circles that we deal with, particularly in this case it was in this church. He says, do not ye judge them that were within. Do you realize the way he says this? He says it like it's such a foregone conclusion. He says it like it's such a matter-of-fact thing that it's not even, it's not even something that we should even discuss as a, as a point of debate. Do not ye judge them that are within. It's not even a question. Yes, you do. He was spiritual judge. If we don't, can you imagine? Yes, I can imagine, because that's the modern day church, not judging those that are within. That is the modern day church. <laughs> if Paul's able to look down from heaven right now and see what's going on in the earth, I mean, can you imagine how grieved or what Jesus Christ thinks about it? Even way more important. Then it says 13, but they, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Bible says it, not me. It says we're supposed to put away with this wicked person. If, if somebody's doing wicked things in the church, and the church knows about it, obviously, and shown this, we're not supposed to just sit back and do nothing. We're supposed to put that one out. Turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's what it read about in the first part of the chapter. It's not getting done in the church at all. As far as I can see. So that's where we get... Okay, we come back to, to Galatians uh, 5.9. It says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's the same context as 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Or somewhat the same. I have confidence in you. This is verse 10. I have confidence in you. 
through the Lord, that ye will none otherwise will be none otherwise minded. In other words, don't be minded this way that these Judaizers are trying to bring you back into mind. Don't don't have your mind on that. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. That person is going to be in serious trouble before the Lord. Because ultimately, it's one thing if you're a Hindu and you're and you're influencing other Hindus and things of this nature, but when you're coming to a Christian and you're influencing them to go back to the weak and beggarly elements or somebody that calls themselves a Christian, you're influencing them toward hell. It's a very serious thing. That's why it says, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. I don't even know if Paul knows exactly who it is, but he knows it's happened. It doesn't matter. He just knows it's happened. Then it says in verse 11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the the offense of the cross ceased. In other words, if he's preaching, you got to be circumcised to be saved, why is he being persecuted? He wouldn't be persecuted if that's what he was preaching, is what he's saying. He wouldn't be persecuted. That was the old Jewish religion. If he would have done that, he wouldn't have any persecution at all. The, the, the Pharisees, in fact, he would have been just like as the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is what he was before. He would have. He was the one doing the persecuting before. Now he's persecuted. He's saying here he doesn't preach circumcision anymore. Then is the offense of the cross. See, see the, the cross is an offense. The offense of the cross has ceased. It should be an offense to others. I can't, I can't help it. The Bible says, I'm not saying it shouldn't be offense to everyone, but to the carnal mind, to the world, it is an offense. Can't do anything about it. Verse 12, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. He's saying, I wish that they were cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Serve one another. You know, do good to one another, especially that they be of the household of faith. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do good one toward another, especially that they be of the household of faith. Okay? So as men, you would have men do unto you, do the, this also unto them. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you have done unto yourself. That's biblical. But we're not supposed to use the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus for an occasion to the flesh. In other words, it doesn't give us a license to sin. So I'm not knocking the law from that standpoint, as far as, far as especially the Ten Commandments, because without the law I had not known sin. Okay, But we have to rightly divide the word of truth, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. So we've been called unto liberty... But we're not supposed to use the liberty for an occasion of the flesh, which is what most people do. Oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm saved. I can just live like the devil and do anything. God's still going to love me. I can do whatever I want to do. That's not the way we want to use the liberty. Okay? And if you do that, and there's no conviction about sin, you're not, you're not even saved, because you're not being chastened. And there's no fruit coming forth. That's biblical. I'm not saying you couldn't do it for a time, but you can't stay in it without the Holy Spirit making your life totally miserable. I've been there. It has to happen. Or else you need to get saved. 
says verse 14, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Whoa! It says right here, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hmm. All the love is, all the laws fulfilled in that? You mean I don't have to keep the Sabbath? I don't have to make sure I'm saying, uh, using the word Yeshua? You mean I don't have to carry one of those prayer boxes around on my forehead and bow to Mecca five times a day and, and, and I have to do, that's, that's nothing but bondage! It's nothing but bondage. I don't have to wear my prayer shawl and, uh, uh, do all this other stuff. I, I, I don't have to do that. Well, the Bible says here, laws fulfilled in one word. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay? That's something we should pray for. Because in and of ourselves, we don't have that ability. We don't. I don't think we have it. Through the Holy Spirit we do. But I, it's something we should pray for. Verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, how can you walk in the Spirit if the Holy Spirit don't even live inside you? And if, you, if the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside you, you are going to be fulfilling the lust of the flesh all the time, pretty much. You're not going to have any ability to even resist the flesh. The Holy Spirit doesn't live inside you. You're going to fail. There's a lot of Christians out there, they think they're Christians, they're colossal failures, and they say, well, I, I just can't resist it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't be saved and not in the Word of God, and not praying, and not seeking the Lord, and not feeding the Spirit that lives inside you through the Word of God, through prayer, not strengthening the inner man, as the Bible talks about, and be weak. Okay, I'm not saying that. You, that could happen. Okay, but if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you're having a problem with your flesh, you need to feed the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Primarily, how is that done? Fasting, praying, reading the Word of God, make sure it's the right Word of God, the authorized King James Bible. Don't feed it with a perverted word, because it doesn't work that way. These are the things that we would have to do in order to really walk in the Spirit properly. Verse 17, for the spirit lusteth against the for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. There was an analogy. There was two dogs in this man's house, and they would fight all the time. Okay? And one day this man came over and he was watching these dogs fight and, and he said, um, he's watching, he's like, man, he says, this is unbelievable. These dogs just hate each other. And he says, which one wins? He says, which, whichever one I feed the most. Our, we're, we're no different. You, flee, you feed the flesh or you feed the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. Period. It says it right here. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. They're opposed one to another. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Well, that's if, that's if the spirit, Holy Spirit that lives inside you, the spirit man, 
is not being fed properly. You can't just expect to get saved and devote no energy. Once you've gotten saved to spiritual things, and expect to be transformed, to be expect to be a new creature in Christ. It's a process, but I'm not talking about being saved by works. I'm saying it's a process that has to happen in you, and you need to seek you need to seek the Lord in these things. Okay, and you do that by going to His Word through prayer, through fasting, through meditating on His Word, through memorizing scriptures. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How do we cleanse our way? By taking heed to the word of God. Um, here's another thing. Uh, Proverbs 16, verses 3, uh, says, I'm trying to think of the verse, commit thy Thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Having problem with your thought life? Commit your works unto the Lord. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Well, that's another thing we can do. These are just things we can do. Always acknowledge the Lord. Always trust in Him. Acknowledge Him. Give Him credit. Give Him the glory. The Bible says, I'll share my glory with no man. Then it says, He shall direct thy paths. Sounds like a good deal to me. Come, let us reason together and say it, the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. We can go to the Lord before the Lord and reason with Him. Not to say that we're going to reason Him out of His way of thinking. We need to listen in to His reasons. Because His reasons are always right. So these are just things that you can do. But the Bible says again in Psalm 119, verse 9, Where thou shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. When we take heed according to the word of God, that's how we cleanse our way. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. This is the psalmist talking to God. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Scripture memorization. Huge one for feeding the spirit. Huge. Okay, so I'm just trying to give you some practical things you can do. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Psalm 119, verse 115. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 89. Okay. That's why it's so important to read the right Bible. Because if the word, the word of God that you're reading isn't what is settled up in heaven, it has no power. So that's very, see, these are just things that, that are very, very important to to keep in mind here. Verse 18. But if ye be led by the, of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Most of these people that are wanting to go back to the weak and beggarly elements are not saved, number one. And they want to be under the law because they sense, I believe, in their mind that they've that they've got to do something, because they know deep down they're not saved. The Holy Spirit's not living inside. They, they're deceived, but I believe deep down they've got to, they think, I've got to do some work. Because deep, deep down they know something's missing. So they're trying to fulfill that gap by going back to the law. Interesting point. Verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. 
adultery, fornication, okay, fornication, sex outside of marriage. Um, fornication would also include sodomy, which would also include oral sex, anal, the whole nine yards, okay? And that's a whole other study, but that's the case. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means lustfulness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Idolatry is having anything before the Lord, essentially. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Now, these are some words that um, are like strife and, and, and these types of things. Let me see if I've got variance. Normally, I will go to a Webster, Noah Webster's 1828 and look up these words. Jack Chick also has a little King James Bible companion that defines over 500 of the archaic words. It doesn't have them all, though. And now, um, Dr. D.A. Waite also has a Bible called the Defined King James Bible, where it actually will define the, the archaic, older words that aren't used anymore in the Bible on that page. It, it, will, it will help you with those words. Variance means disagreement, discord, or dissension. Okay, now, if this disagreement and discord is not biblically based, in other words, it's okay to have disagreement and discord if, if, if you're contending for the word of God. But a lot of people say, oh, no, no, we can't have any of that under any circumstance. And that's wrong. And that's, the, that's what's wrong with the church. Because there's no judgment going on. So that's what variance means. Emulations means trying to be equal or better than others. In, in either a good or bad way. Now that would, that would kind of get back to envy, too. Because you, envy, you, want, you want to make sure that you have the preeminence. Which is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees always wanted. Better than others. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envies. Murders. Drunkenness. Revilings and such like. Of the which I tell you before, and I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying that you, you're not going to struggle with your past or with your flesh and these types of things. I'm not saying that. Okay, but the Bible even says, it says, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we are a liar, and the truth is not in us. But Jesus Christ is our heavenly advocate, our heavy, heavenly attorney, essentially. Through his shed blood, we go before the Father and ask forgiveness for these things. Okay, now I'm not saying that you, that you, that you need to be actively participating in these things that I just listed. Okay, and that gives you excuse to do those either. I'm not saying that either. But I, what I'm saying is, as a Christian, doesn't mean we're going to live in sinless perfection 24-7. Okay? That's, that's a burden that no Christian could bear. There's no way. Okay, but it says, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they which do. Now, this doesn't sound like it's, say, it doesn't say did. In other words, you can't get saved and then do these things and expect to be saved. You can't. It says, they which do, present tense, such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you say you're, you're saved, and you're doing these things, and you have no conviction about any of it, not, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, period. It's not going to happen. You're not saved, in other words. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, 
Against such there is no law. Christian character is not mere moral or legal correctness, but the possession and manifestation of the nine graces. Love, joy, peace. This is character as an inward state. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. This is character in expression toward man. Faith, meekness, and temperance. Temperance. This is character in expression toward God. Okay, but, remember, taken together, these, these, these fruits of the Spirit present a moral portrait of Christ, and they also may be taken as the explanation of Galatians 2.20, where it says, I am, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I do not live, but Christ liveth in me. Okay? That's how it happens. Christ liveth in you. The Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. Through the Spirit that lives inside you. That's what this is about. And again, it's not about something I'm mustering up. Somebody could go and play church and seem to exemplify the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, she's the sweetest thing you ever saw. Well, he's such a mighty man of God. And not even have the Holy Spirit live inside them. Now, they, can, they may be able to keep up that facade at church. It ain't going to work when they go... It's always going to come out. You can't muster this stuff up. I'm glad you can't muster it up. Personally, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want that burden on me. I couldn't do it. Verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. What well, says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Okay? Well, hey, again, I'm not saying, and the Bible does not say you're going to live in sinless perfection 24-7. doesn't give us a license to sin. You've been called into liberty, only use not a liberty for an occasion of the flesh. But he that says he has no sin is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John. So, again, we have to, again, rightly divide the word of truth. 20, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We don't want to do this. Chapter 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness. This is when you first go to him. Okay, now that with this man I was dealing with today, this was the fourth response. That's why I seemed pretty harsh. Because I had tried to go to him in a spirit of meekness. Why do we do this? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We don't want to go to them in some haughty spirit and say, Well, brother, I'm Mr. Spiritual and you're not. And I'm going to show you why. No, no, no. Don't even go there, because you're you're as good as you're as good as going to go down the wrong road too. You go to such a one in the spirit of meekness, humility. Verse two: Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, that's another way we fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ different than the law that was given on to Moses on Mount Sinai. The law of Christ. What do we do? Love our neighbor as ourselves. Bear ye one another's burdens. You can do that through prayer. You can do that through physical things you can do. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. There we go. But how many Christians we have, or so-called Christians, walking around, saying that, I'm, look at me, I'm something. The, the comes to mind is these preachers at megachurches thinking that they're something. You know, look at me. But they're nothing. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall ye have rejoicing 
in himself alone and not in another. In other words, you're not going out and proclaiming this to everybody. You're going to have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. Prove his own work. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate or share unto him that teacheth in all good things. Well, that's what we're doing here today. Let him that is taught in the word communicate, share, unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now I have a little note here in my Bible that says, we always reap what we sow. We always reap later than we sow, and we always reap more than what we sow. So that's something to bear in mind. Just because you do something and you think you've got by it from God, maybe chastening's right not then. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's down the road. I've experienced both. I've experienced it right then and down the road. God let me have it my way for a time, and then I could really, really store and reap, and then really get nailed at the end. Or, many times, it's right then. I'd rather get it over with. Because then there's not time for that seed to take root and bear bad fruit. I'd much rather have it that way. Because we can suffer, we can suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says, if you, if you study the judgment seat of Christ in Corinthians, it says, some will be saved, yet so is by fire. And some, all they'll bring before the Lord is wood, hay, and stubble, and all be burned up. Nothing. No rewards in heaven. They got saved, yet so is by fire. That's not the way I want to, that's not the way I want it to be. And it's not the way anybody would want it to be. If you think about it. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. How do we sow into the Spirit? We already mentioned that. Sowing into the Spirit. Okay? All those things that all those things I said to do to sow into the Spirit. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Now that's hard to do nowadays. Because it kind of seems like if you're a Christian, and you and I mean... You go about to and fro trying to help people or trying to wake people up. All they do is hate you for it. But but you're doing well doing. You love them enough to tell them the truth. So that's why it's so we- easy to be weary in well doing in today's day and age. Because if you're trying to spread forth truth, truth in today's day and age especially is very offensive to the carnal mind of the world. For a due season we shall reap if we faint not. What if, what if what if we faint? Before the race has been run. Pressing toward the mark of the high calling, let us look therefore to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Run the race that's set before you. What if we faint before the finish line? I'm not saying that that doesn't make the person saved. But could that be something we do where we don't receive any rewards? You know why I say that? Because it says, let us not be weary well doing. What, okay, then it says, with a colon, in other words, in, we're going to look at this further, what is this, let us not be weary well doing? Well, here's what we really want to look at. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't quit right before the blessing of God. That's another application for this. But th- this seems to indicate that if we do faint, before we reap, then we'll lose our reward. 
Verse 10. As ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. I just said that today. Okay, many times. So this is who we're, we're really supposed to seek out and do good toward. Do good unto all men. Especially unto them that are of the household of faith. I think this is another way. Well, let's, 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 let's look at it this way. You can either be grieving the Spirit during your life, during any time of the day, or you can be making the Holy Spirit that lives inside you happy. Um, pleasing to the Holy Spirit. I think that's reasonable to say that. If we're reading the Bible, we're really studying, do you think that's pleasing the Holy Spirit? That's all I'm saying. Well, if we, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. Unto all men. And this doesn't just occur or, or apply to the body of Christ, but it does say especially is not maybe another possible way we could strengthen the spirit we live inside if we're doing what he's telling us to do? Okay, that's just another thing. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but if you go about doing good things that are biblical all the time, doesn't that kind of make you feel more spiritual? Closer to the Lord? I mean, generally, if you, if you really do something good, and, and, um, and I don't mean in and of yourself, good work, look at me. I'm talking about, this is between you and the Lord. Doesn't that make you feel closer to God? You know, it's just a byproduct of that. Okay, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we've got to always preface, rightly divide the word of truth. Because it's so easy for somebody to go off on a tangent and say, look at this one verse and not compare it with the rest of Scripture. We've got to constantly do that. Now, he goes on to say in verse 11, You see how a large letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. Now, I'm just going to give you a note here. The apostle was, it appears, to many considerations afflicted with ophthalmia, a common disease in the East to the point of being on almost total blindness. Now, um, the reason that they think that he had an eye disease, and this could have been the thorn in the flesh that he said, Satan sent unto me to buffet me with a thorn in the flesh, and I besought the Lord three times, and he said, no, essentially no, my grace is sufficient. Okay, when it says... Um, in Galatians um, verse 14, uh, 414, and this is why they think it's it's this eye disease. Okay? No, let's go to verse 13. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first, at the first. Now this is Galatians 413. Now he says infirmity of the flesh. Okay? And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as of Jesus Christ. Now, evidently, this particular um, um, abnormality, you look pretty bad. It was also another thing. You looked, I don't know, about just flat out scary with this ophthalmalgia that, that Paul had. You didn't look too hot. And so, this is why he said, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first, at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, he despised not. So in other words, he might have looked so not good that it, it would have been tempting almost to almost reject him. Just out of repulsion of what they saw. I, I don't know. I, I can't be dogmatic about this. But these are, these are the theories I've heard. And it would seem to line up with scripture. 
Yeah, oh yeah, we're going to go to that. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but you receive me as an angel of God, even as of Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness she spake of? For I bear record, if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. This is why, obviously, he had a problem with his eyes. And that's where he says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16. So it says, in verse 11, it says, You see how large a letter I have written on you with mine own hand. Now, back to the note. Um, this large letter was probably having to written, be written because of his, of his darkened vision. In other words, if you have very, very low vision, you'd have to write in big words in order to get it out on paper. You couldn't write real small. Okay? That's... Now, again, I'm not going to get dogmatic and, and start a religion on what I just said, but it's, I think that it lines up with Scripture. I believe it does. Now, if it's not, I pray the Lord show me. Then he says in verse 12, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. See, these are the Judaizers. We're going back to the Judaizers. They, they desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They want to make this big show in the flesh. And these are the ones that constrain you to be circumcised. Constrain meaning um, they're trying to get you to do it. They're trying to compel you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Oh, now here's where the rubber meets the road. The reason that they, that they want these people to be circumcised and go back into the law is because that's where they're at. And they want everybody to be in their boat because misery loves company and because they feel as though the more people that are doing it, the more justification for their own stinking sin, which is no different than what's going on today. Why? Lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. See, they don't want to be persecuted. That's what it boils down to. They want to live in the flesh. They want to live in the law, which Christ redeemed us from this thing. He gave us a better covenant. But because they don't want to suffer persecution for the cross of Christ, they're going to try to get everybody else to come down to their level. That's what it boils down to. Oh, isn't he religious? Look at him. Oh, Rabbi, aren't you so religious with all your, your flowing whatever and, and your phylacteries and, and all these things that you do and your prayer shawl. Oh, good Rabbi, you're so spiritual looking. He's a whitened sepulcher full of dead man's bones. That's what Jesus called them. White sepulcher. Where he buried dead people. Looks wonderful on the outside, but on the inside it's full of dead man's bones. They're dead, and they're going to hell. Verse 13, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They don't even do what they're telling you to do. But desire to have you circumcised that they may that they may glory in your flesh. Oh, look at my look at my convert. I'm glorying in his flesh. Isn't he a good good little satanic convert? Isn't he a good little puppet on my string? Well, I had to get converted because the the good rabbi seems so religious. I, I had to go back into the weak and beggarly elements. I just felt compelled to. It just seemed right. Well your heart deceived you. I'm sorry, but it did. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all we glory in, period. Or whatever, the, whatever the Lord does, you know, it's got to be of the Lord. 
But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the, the world is crucified unto me. See, the world's crucified unto me through the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is. That's how I view the world. Or I should view the world. And then I under the world. I am crucified to the world. And the world's crucified unto me. How many people are doing that? And I'm not, I'm not just talking, I mean, I mean, I'm speaking to myself as much as anything. I need to continue, it's, it's a continual process. You know, it's not just one thing that just happens overnight and all of a sudden you're Mr. Super Christian. When you're a baby Christian, you're a baby. When you first get saved, you're a baby. Well, you got to grow. How do you grow? Well, food and water, time. What, are, what is our food and water? Well, this is the bread of life, says. Washing of the water of the word. The other things that I mentioned, which all go back to this, because it's all in there. Verse 15. For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. We're new creatures. We're, we're, we're new creatures in Christ. Circumcision doesn't matter anymore. Verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the, the Israel of God. He's not asking for peace and mercy to be upon those that, this, that are not walking according to this rule. Actually, that would be the last thing that should happen to them. We don't want them to be in peace. Mercy is one thing, but peace is another. You don't want somebody to live in like the devil and think that they're in God's will. All they're going to do is go to hell. I want them to be miserable so that they do get saved. Is that harsh of me? Is it harsher than spending all of eternity in the lake of fire? No, I love them enough to tell them the truth. Again, rightly dividing the word of God is what we have to do here. Verse 17, From henceforth let no man trouble, let, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He has known persecution. He's known what this is all about. I can't say I've done that. Can I say I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ? I don't think so. Huh. But I believe those days are coming. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And that's the end of the book of Galatians. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, end there today. And... Um, does anybody have any questions? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and end there today and I'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. For all your goodness, Lord God, and your mercy. Lord God, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross, Lord God, to save our souls. Lord God, for what he did for all humanity. I pray, God, wherever your word is being preached this day, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your fear be upon it, that your power be upon it, in the name of Jesus Christ, that many would be saved as a result of hearing the truth this day, for they shall know the truth, and the truth shall make them free. I pray to God they yield to your truth, Lord God. I pray to God that people would yield to the truth in this message, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray that your name be glorified. I pray, God, for the remnant, the body of Christ, and I pray, God, that you bless the remnant. I pray to God that you strengthen the remnant. But I also pray, God, that your fear would be upon the remnant. And that that fear would drive them to repentance. And that, Lord God, that your enemies would be dealt with in the name of Jesus Christ. For, Lord God, if they're not dealt with now, what hope is there for them in the future? What hope for, is them in, in, in the afterlife? They're just going to burn in hell, God. 
So I pray, God, that you deal with the body of Christ and, Lord, Lord, God, those in the world, that they would get saved. Because you said in your word, it's not your will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I pray to God that if you have to hang them over hell in order for them to get saved, in order for their eyes to be opened up, that you hang them over hell, God, this day. All of our relatives that are unsaved. Lord God, all of the backslidden so-called Christians, Lord God, I pray to God if you have to hang them over hell, then hang them over hell. In the name of Jesus Christ, I believe that's much more merciful to pray that prayer than for them to burn the lake of fire forever. So I just pray to God you do it this day, God. I pray to God you do it for your glory. I pray to God you do it for the sake of the souls that won't be saved, Lord God, if you don't do it. I pray, Lord God, that this would be done by the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, Lord God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You said in your word, God, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. I pray, Lord God, it will all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And I do pray also, Lord God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form, Lord God. That you would wipe our slate clean, that we would come before you clean, Lord God. And that you would keep us from evil, Lord God, and deliver us from all temptation. We love you, Lord God. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Yeah, we're watching Chicago.